Lord, have your way in this place. Do a great work as only you can. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. 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 So um, before we get going, I just I just feel compelled to just share something with you. Um, maybe you responded and came up and knelt around this altar or stood around the altar. Maybe you were praying in, in your seat. Maybe you were praying at home online, and and, and that was you. You're, I, I can't control this, so, Lord, I'm, I'm giving this to you, and I don't know what the this for you is, but, but I need you to hear me and hear me with confidence. God's heard your prayer. And he's working hard on your behalf. And, and, and Donna said it so well. Just because you don't see it. Please, please know that the God we serve is well able. <laughs> well able. And he knows what he's doing. Amen. All right. I've already preached half my sermon. <laughs> so you're just going to give me a little. You got to give me a little. Um, I. I love the Psalms, That's, and it's kind of my go-to when I'm in a moment of worship. Or uh, Honestly, um, you know, sometimes people think pastors, you know, w- wake up every morning and, you know, they've just got, you know, their stuff all figured out. And I'm going to tell you that that's not true. Uh, I know a lot of pastors, and we sit around a table when no, no church people are around, and we go, man, are you as lost as I am? And I'm like, yeah, heck yeah, we are. Oh, did I just say heck from the pulpit? Sorry about that. Uh, but I, I started digging into this psalm this week. And I, I, I maybe it's just for Dwayne, I don't know. But uh, I saw so much richness about the God that we serve. This psalm talks about the king of glory. Don't you love that title? The king of glory. Psalm 24, so we're just going to jump in, if that's okay, and just, and just talk about this psalm. This, this is a psalm of David, and um, I just want to read the first couple verses. Read along with me. It'll be on the screen behind me. It's in your bulletin. The earth is the Lord's. <laughs> we, we could stop there, couldn't we? Uh, if, if we really believed that, that'd solve a lot of our problems, wouldn't it? The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Some translations read, the earth is the Lord and all it contains. The world and those who dwell therein, for he, hath, he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. The earth is the Lord's fullness thereof. All it contains. Everybody in it. Man, I wish we believed. I wish we believed that the God that we pray to and the God that we sing to and the God that we worship, I I wish we believed that he was as big as our songs say he is. You don't realize how big he is. Dwayne, you don't, that's insulting. You don't realize how big he is. I don't care if you've been following and chasing Jesus all your life. You don't realize how big he is. In fact, th- I, I started to give you my first point during the prayer call. The king of glory is much bigger and far stronger and more completely capable than you think. He's big, he's strong, and he's able. Don't you wish we believed? 
Don't you wish we knew that? David wrote this psalm, and he's the king of Israel. He wrote this song about his God, and he's the king of Israel. But in reality, David was a big fish in a little pond. Because everybody, the Assyrians around him, the Egyptians around him, they all were bigger and, and stronger and faster than David. And their armies were bigger and stronger and faster than David's. And they had their own God. But guess what David said? It, it, David had a history of this. David had a history of going, I don't care how big and bad you think you are, you're not going to defy the Lord. Remember, what did he do as a boy? Stood in front of a, a mighty giant and said, today, I'm cutting off your head. <laughs> you, know, you know, Goliath's spear weighed 16 pounds. The, the tip of his spear weighed 16 pounds. 16 pounds. That's, that's a bowling ball. And David looked at him and said, I'm cutting off your head today. And no, actually, he went, I'm cutting off your head today. So David had a history of going, I don't care how big you think your God is. Mine's bigger. Oh, I wish this, that, that, that confidence in God would rise up in the church. Because I'm going to tell you something. Your culture isn't all that impressed. This culture doesn't think much of the God that you serve, but they will. Your culture's not all that impressed with your song. They're not all impressed with my sermon. They're not all impressed at all. But can I tell you, just because they don't know doesn't mean you can't know. He's big, y'all. He's strong, y'all. And I don't care what you're walking through. He's enough. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He, you know why it's, it's his? Because he made it. He created it. And you know what else? He didn't just create it. He sustains it. Do you know there's nothing that is that isn't is because he deems it to be is. <laughs> Smell what I'm stepping in, right? If it exists, it's because he sustains it. Oh, well, you don't know, Dwayne. You know, there's some people there that are, in, that are doing some bad things. Always have been. Always will be. But here we go. And we pray to the God that we serve. And I'm not sure we're convinced that he's even hearing us. You don't think God's big enough to change that circumstance that you're in the middle of? You don't think God's big enough to answer these prayers? You don't think God's big enough to take what you can't control? Of course He is. The, well, you don't know how big, you, you just don't know how big this is. You know what? The Bible is full of stuff that shouldn't have happened. An entire army should not have walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. Shouldn't have happened. Shouldn't have happened. A man should not have lived in the belly of a fish for three days and get vomited up on. It's, it's, 
That's not supposed to happen. A man's not supposed to lay down in a lion's den and come out okay. That's not supposed to happen. Hebrew boys aren't supposed to be able to walk into a fire and come out not smelling like smoke. A virgin's not supposed to give birth to a baby, and dead people aren't supposed to live again. But it happened, it happened, and it's still happening, and it can happen for you. Because he's big and he's able, the earth is the Lord's. It's his. Well, I asked him to do something, and he's not doing it. Well, guess what? He knows best. If, if it's not happening, how about we learn to trust him, that he knows what's going on? Well, do I not pray for healing, and I'm not healed? Well, guess what? Maybe, maybe, just maybe, God's got a bigger plan. But I, 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 tell, you what I, I tell you what I told them in the prayer room. I think there's this attitude that we have when we pray that I believe God wants to confront this morning. And I'll tell you when it started. I wasn't going to tell you this, but I'll tell you anyway. It, it really rose up in me Wednesday night. If you were here Wednesday night, um, if you're watching online, you didn't, get, you didn't get a chance to see this because we shut the camera off. But we... We had special prayer for, for Connie Johnson. I usually, usually when I do this, I ask for permission, so I'm sorry. I'll, I'll get forgiveness later. <laughs> and, and she's had this condition for a, a long time. And we have prayed and prayed and prayed. And Bill prayed and prayed and prayed. And Connie's prayed and prayed and prayed. And Tim and Kelly and all their whole families prayed and prayed and prayed. And it's just, it's just hung on. And sometimes, here's what we do. We, God, I'm going to pray, but I'm really not sure you're going to do anything about it. And that attitude, I, I, it, it was all over me Wednesday night. If, if you don't believe God's going to heal her, why are you bothering going through the motions? So I just, just, this confidence rose up in me that when we pray, we ought to pray to the God whose earth is the Lord's. And leave the results up to him. Oh, I believe, listen, y'all, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I just think we've forgotten who he is. Huh. Dwayne, that's insulting for you to tell me that he's bigger than I think because I've read the Bible and I've gone to Sunday school and I've done all the classes and I know. I, I didn't tell you this, Apostle Paul told you this. Now to him, Ephesians 3.20, now to him who was able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or you can't even imagine it. You can't imagine. Your feeble human mind can't fathom how big and powerful and abundantly gracious he is. That's who he is, y'all. So when the enemy tells you that God's not at work on your behalf or that he hasn't heard your prayer or that he's not deeply intimately concerned about your circumstance your situation your life your family your health your mind when he when the enemy tells you that, that 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 god's distant from you you just you just tell him to go to hell i can say that in that context the king of glory is much bigger far stronger more completely capable than you think but the king of glory has a high standard. 
Let's, let's keep reading Psalm 24. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. So David was basically asking this question. Who can be right with God? Who can be right with God? Who can be right with God? Look, he said, whose hands and hearts are pure hands. You know what? That, that represents our actions. So I wonder if you've ever done anything that displeases the Lord with your hands. Our he said, your hands and hearts are pure. Your hearts represent our intention, our motives. I'm sure no one in this room has ever had an impure motive. He said, who don't worship idols. One translation says, who's never lifted their soul to an idol. You know what an idol is? An idol is anything that takes God's place in your life. Anything. So I wonder if our hands and hearts are pure. I wonder if we genuinely have never allowed anything to take God's place in our life. And then he said, and, and never tell lies. <laughs> Listen, it's tax time. God's okay with lying to the IRS. So I'm told. So after reading that, I'm going to ask you, who can be right with God? <laughs> it sounds like we're a group of people in trouble. Who can climb the hill of the Lord? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure. Never lifted their soul to an idol and never tells lies. I don't guess I'm climbing the hill. Several hundred years later, Paul said it this way, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. The king of glory has a high standard. So it's beautiful to look at. Now, see, we, we look at Psalm 24 in the rearview mirror. David was living it. So here's how it looked from, see, David looked at it from the perspective of an old covenant. See, having clean hands and a pure heart and not lifting up our soul to an idol, having not lifting up our soul to an idol, never telling lies, that was a condition for fellowship with God. Is that better? So David looks at it from the perspective of the old covenant. In other words, having clean hands, having a pure heart, not lifting our soul to an idol, all of those things were a condition for fellowship with God. You've got you to have all these check boxes ticked. And there is only one group of people that were able 
to walk into God's presence. There was only one group of people that were able to climb the hill of the Lord. There was only one group of people that were able to have their sins forgiven and atoned for, and it was those who had placed trust in a priestly sacrifice and who had hope in a coming promise. But we don't look at it from that perspective. See, between David and us, there was a tipping point. Between David and us, God did something miraculous. See, we don't look at it from the old perspective. We look at it from the perspective of a new covenant. We don't have clean hands and pure heart and an idle, free life as a condition of our fellowship with God. We have it as a result of our fellowship with God. And we don't hope in a priestly sacrifice and a coming promise. Our hope, our trust is in the complete sacrifice of Christ Jesus and the revealed promise of the Son of God. <laughs> so write this down. The cross made a way for the King of glory to be accessible. <laughs> Psalm 24, verse 5 and 6 says, They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. <laughs> it, it, some translations read that, that word right relationship as God will give righteousness. Give righteousness. See, we always thought that righteousness was something we did. David said, righteous is something God's going to give you. David was talking about Jesus. There'll come a day when you'll be blessed and God will give you righteousness when you seek him as a result. So who can climb the hill of the Lord? I can. Because Jesus, who can climb the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in his presence? You can. Not because your hands are always clean and because your heart is always pure, but because God has, the, the theological word is imputed righteousness to you, not because you're good, but because he's very good. Who can climb the hill of the Lord? I can. You can. I can climb the hill of the Lord because Jesus climbed a hill called Mount Calvary 2,000 years ago. You ought to stop right now and just thank, thank Christ. Because of his great sacrifice, you can boldly go to the throne of God. Oh, isn't that what, what Hebrews teaches us in Hebrews chapter 4? So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what you believe. Isn't it interesting he didn't say let us hold firmly to what you do? Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He understands that our hands aren't always clean and our hearts aren't always pure. For he faced all the same testings and temptations we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we'll receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Do you know why you can climb the hill? 
You know why you can stand in God's presence? Because the blood of Christ causes you to belong there. So when you bow your knee, you bow your heart toward God in prayer. When you lift your hands in worship, never do it again without this thought in your mind. The only reason, the only reason I can stand here, the only reason I can kneel here, the only reason I can have this conversation with God is because Christ and his sacrifice counts me worthy to stand in God's presence. That's why they call it the gospel, because that is so, that's just good news. You know, sometimes we, sometimes we stop reading words, stop reading verses before, you know, too early. We read, uh, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We stop too soon. See, if we stop there, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. If we, if we stop reading there, the story ends poorly. But if you keep reading, yet God. <laughs> and, isn't that powerful? Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. Who can be right with God? You can. I can. Not because you're good. Not because your hands are clean. But because Jesus said you could. This is about, I don't know, the 20th time I've preached this sermon in my head. And I just need you to hear. I'm humbled this morning. You know, we, we get so, even, even a church our size, we, we, we spend so much time and so much effort and so much energy making sure our, the, the tempo's right and making sure the lights are right and making sure the camera's working and making sure all the stuff is in order. And, and, and we need to do that. We need to do what we do with excellence. Amen. We need to try our best to give God the best. And, but can I tell you, it just all seems so meaningless in light of the greatness and goodness and mercy of a God who loved us so much to send his son. And listen, I know you've heard that story and I know you've said the prayer, but can we just stop for a minute and, and just remember and just recognize that this truth, <laughs> the only reason, this, the only reason any of this is worth the effort. So you and I can stand in the presence of God. And the only reason we can do that is because Jesus climbed a hill so we can climb a hill. Is that good news? And here's the last thing I want you to write down today. The King of Glory wants, wants your heart. I'll show you a picture. And before I, I, I show you the picture, I gotta, I, I gotta set it up just a little bit. And I know you guys are probably sick of me talking about my trip to Israel, but, but I, I got, I got an incredible opportunity when we were. Well, let me, let me back up a little further. This Psalm, Psalm twenty-four. Many scholars tell us that, that this was written as an event, to commemorate an event, to commemorate 
the Ark of the Covenant being coming, being brought back to Jerusalem. See, I don't, we don't have time for the whole story, but the Ark of the Covenant, if, if you remember, was this beautiful, ornate chest, for lack of a better word. This beautiful, ornate chest that inside it held the, the, the stone tablets of the Ten Commandments, the Aaron's rod that budded, and, and it, was, it was put together in such a way. It was ornate in gold, and on top of the... Uh, on top of the ark, there were two cherubim or angelic kind of creatures that faced each other, and, and their wings formed a seat. And what, what happened is during, uh, during times of worship, the, the priest would offer sacrifices and, and cleanse himself to allow him to walk and stand in the presence of th- that seat that the cherubim formed was called the mercy seat, and the presence of God sat on that seat. Just let that settle for a minute. God sat on this seat, and so the, the priest would walk into that presence and, and make intercession for the people, and, and, and God would forgive sin. So this ark represented the presence of God. It was, through a series of circumstances, it was taken outside of Jerusalem, and now it's brought back. And so I want to show you, in just a second, this picture of this, of this street and the worshipers would now recite this psalm as they're walking up this street. Show the picture here. As they're walking up this street. Now, it doesn't look like a street, does it? It looks like a tunnel, doesn't it? Because the, the Muslims built a village on top of the street. But just a few years ago, they found the street that the worshipers would, would you know, it's kind of hard because, you know, people tell us that it never really happened, that none of this existed. But they found the street where worshipers would walk into Jerusalem, and here's what they would sing. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors and let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, invincible in battle. So this, this street, I wanted to show you the picture. You really, you really can't make, it doesn't do it justice. Throw the picture back up there. Because it's like this steep. It's, you can't tell from that, but it's, it's that steep. And here's what's going on in my head. I'm walking on the street. Those stones were there when all of those people would walk into worship uh, God in, in the temple in Jerusalem. They were there, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm just blown away. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I'm not in very good shape because it's like this. Verse 9 says, open up ancient gates. He says it again, open up ancient doors and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. He is the king of glory. And they would, and, and the gates would open and they would walk in and they would worship in, in the court of the temple. And, and they believed that they were in God's presence. But there was something they'd never had that you have access to. They, 
there was such great joy and such great jubilation in, as they walked up that street and went into the temple and, and remembered the day when the Ark of the Covenant made its way back in Jerusalem. And they would say, we're opening the doors. King of glory, come in. Sometime later, John, who wrote the Gospel of John in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, is on an island in exile. And Jesus appears to him. And he, he, preaches, he preaches a sermon about churches. And some was really good news and some was not so good. And at the end, Jesus makes this statement. And, and, and I want you to imagine... All of those people that walked up that street that were compelling the king of glory to come into their, into their presence. I want you to listen to what Jesus said would happen. He said, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, open the door. I will come in. We'll share a meal as friends. The king of glory is more interested in coming into your heart than into a building. He wants to walk with you and talk with you, and he wants to experience you. He wants you to experience who he is in all of his greatness. Who is this King of Glory? He's the Lord, strong in battle, invincible in battle. There is no one like him. He is great and greatly to be praised. That's the King of Glory, and he wants to hang out with you. So maybe your maybe your door's a little ancient. Maybe it's rusted shut. Open it. Open. So here's what I here, here's how I want us to end this service today. Um, you know. When when I when I think of of uh, just how great and awesome and majestic our God is, sometimes I I don't want to ask Him for anything. I just I just want to worship Him. And I'm not telling you that in, during these next few moments, not to pray and not to ask God to meet your needs. I, 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 of course, he wants us to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. But maybe just for a few moments, let's just open our heart. Let's just open our heart. There, there's this song that we used to sing a lot that, that when I feel like I feel today, it, it always resounds especially the first couple lines of, of one of the verses. King of endless worth, no one could express 
how much you deserve. <laughs> Listen. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours. Every single breath. <laughs> I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within. Through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. Let's stand and worship. And I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. For the thing I've made. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. all about you, Jesus. I want you to close your eyes across this room. Maybe in this moment. I wonder if there's a, a closet in your heart that you just soon stay closed. You, you want to open your heart to Christ, but there's, there's part you know how it is when people come over, you, you shove all the junk into a closet or into a back bedroom? So I wonder if, if maybe some of that stuff that's cluttered up one of the bedrooms or cluttered up one of the closets of your heart, I, I wonder what would happen if you just opened it and say, Jesus, this junk, this attitude, this action, this addiction, this anxiety, my depression, my sickness, my frustration, my sin, it's... Just here it is. It's ugly and I don't like it, but it's yours. I wonder if just in this moment, if you just said, God, it, it's yours. This we talked about it earlier, the stuff I can't control, the stuff that 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 is causing me to, to not live a life of joy, it's yours. The unanswered prayer, the frustration that I have, even with God because He's not doing what I think He's supposed to do. God, it's yours. That's what a heart of worship is. It's when it's all yours. It's all yours. So I wonder if this, as we do this course, a time or two more, you don't have to sing along. I wonder if you just... Just have a conversation with Christ that goes something like this. Lord, there's there's stuff in my heart that's that I'm not proud of. There's there's stuff that I would just rather pretend isn't there, but it's yours today. It's yours.
I'm not holding it back anymore. I'm, I'm giving it all, all to you. It's yours. My heart is open for the King of glory to come in. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> King of glory. In the name of Jesus, we open our heart to you. So God, would you take our sin, our frustration, our resentment, our unforgiveness, our bitterness, our anger, our pride, our lust, would you take it? We open the door. We open our gate so the King of glory may come in. And we rest today in your forgiveness. We rest today in your love and your grace and your mercy, thank you that we can boldly approach your throne. Stand in the presence of the King of glory. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you that we can climb the hill of the Lord. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, come on. I wonder if he's big enough, if he's strong enough, if he's capable enough for you to just worship him unashamed this morning. For you to just offer him the grandest, greatest ovation of praise you could right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Have a great, great afternoon.